0: Howdy, folks. You have wandered upon, stumbled across, found, downloaded on purpose. The however might, you
1: get us, it's fun.
0: Right. The, the Mighty Thorcast. How, however you happen to be here, you're here now. So, while you're here, pull up a chair, something to drink, grab you a couple books. Actually, if you're going to grab you a couple books, why don't you grab the 1966 volume of Mighty Thor, issues 140 and 141 and the 2011 volume of Journey into Mystery, issue 626. Those would be some good books to have, because those are the books we're going to talk about tonight, today, this evening, afternoon. Morning, during lunch, your break, on your way home, whenever you're listening. That's when we're going to talk about
1: Because unless you're listening, are we really talking?
0: Exactly. If there is no one listening, is there anything to hear?
1: Okay, that's enough existentialism okay. and stuff. I'm Terry, by the way.
0: And I am Ed. And next episode, we'll talk about Picasso.
1: No, we won't.
0: Oh. You don't like Picasso. No,
1: right? I don't like Picasso. With the
0: two eyeballs on one yeah, side.
1: And I'm not a Picasso fan. And, and who's, I'm a Monet fan.
0: Who's the melty watch dude? You don't Wall. Like? Who?
1: W-A-H-L,
0: Wall. Wall, is that his name? It's like a pocket watch that's melted Melting. and mm-hmm. run over a table mm-hmm. or something like that. Okay. Okay, so I guess uh, as I said, enough in
1: uh, We should risk, like start into the books. Yes, we?
0: this is the, not not the art depreciation podcast. That's <laughs> iTunes. Just look up depreciation. I'm sure you'll find it.
1: Probably so. You can find anything on iTunes except we can't seem to find in many reviews
0: for no for,
1: but we'll no, we'll complain but, about that later.
0: But we'll we, just
1: we'll,
0: we we do have a follow up too. An iTunes review. That we
1: okay, got. but but we'll and talk we'll, about that later. We'll talk
0: about that after later.
1: we get done with the books. I'm sorry. Let's so. jump right into the books.
0: Okay, issue 140 of the 1966 volume of Mighty Thor. Terry, take it away.
1: And that actually came out in May when it first came out. Although it's not May now. And the cover of this lovely issue is Thor flying in the air, twirling his hammer, while this gigantic gargantuan. Man, known as the Growing Man, is pushing buildings over. He's like skyscraper, skyscraper tall, and little people are milling about his feet, and the police look like little tiny ants, and, and they're trying to do something about him. Yeah, right. And that's the cover. It's a very good cover.
0: And, and he's all in purple.
1: With an orange face.
0: With orange skin yes. in purple.
1: Mm-hmm. And this, of course, this issue is called the Growing Man. One of the Earth's deadliest enemies returns with the most uncanny threat of all. And uh, what,
0: I don't remember seeing him before, do you?
1: No, not him. The, the man who created him is who we've seen before. No. I'm pretty sure, but we'll get into I'm that. Not in a Thor. We'll get into that. Okay. All ha- And it starts out, let it be known, the great troll war has been won by the forces of Asgard. Now amidst the most celestial pomp and pageantry... The regal Odin victoriously ascends to the golden throne.
0: That was my crowd roar.
1: I, I hear that. And it's a lovely full picture of the throne with looks like a 100 steps up to the top. And yes. these big, huge bird-type statues looking on that are 15,000 times bigger than a man. And actually, there are sentries with little bugles going up the sides of the stair on their own little platforms blowing trumpets. Yeah, and like Thor is at the top saying, all hail, hail to him who was the highest of the highest as Odin comes up.
0: The, uh, the little uh, herald... Um, um, Trumpeters? Places, whatever, yeah, whatever I like you want to call too. those, on, on the side of the stairs for the heralds to mm-hmm. stand while they trumpet. Mm-hmm.
1: This was... Conceived and created by the Noblest Collaborative Combo and Comic-Dum, Stan the man, Lee and Jack King Kirby, inking by Vince Coletta and lettering by Sam Rosen. And we start out with Odin being lauded with praise for the fact that, that Asgard won the battle against the... Um, Trolls. Trolls. I'm sorry, I forgot the word. I was gonna say elves, but Those I knew it was an elf. I'm sorry. Green dudes. Yes, the big. They were they were nasty. And the, he's saying the enemy is vanquished, and and immortals of the realm, you may approach the kingly presence. And he's uh, telling them how they fought valiantly, and but there are many other dangers to overcome. But he knows that they shall, you know, win no matter what they go up against, because Asgard stands forever and they all yell at the same time in in a mighty way, Hail Asgard, and the whole place just shakes. So Asgard, I mean, Odin, has decided now it's time for him to take his royal bath. I wonder how often he does that.
0: I don't know, but what a bath.
1: I'm telling you. It's this huge pool with waterfalls on one end, with a big tree growing out of it. There's limbs everywhere, and it looks like it's... The uh, platform that you can get around and sit on all the way around is gold. Yes. It looks like it's been in, in laden with gold. And it's, it's quite beautiful. And Thor says, can I come talk to you? And he's like, if you don't mind talking to me while I take my bath, come on. And Thor's like, I need to go back to Earth. It's time for me to go back. And Odin's like, I agree. You do need to go. And Thor tells him that he feels that there, there's some kind of danger there and that he needs to go protect the world that he loves, that so he can just feel an imminent danger. And while he's doing that, talking to Odin and trying to get out, three men are are, are, are talking down on earth and they have discovered this little doll-sized man. And they're like, where did he come from? He We've... we've Found him in the museum expedition last night. We unearthed him, and he's just this little tiny thing. Well, while they're talking, he's growing and getting bigger to where by the end of the conversation, he is actually man-sized. He has grown to that size. And they, they go over and start poking on him, and he's like, oh, he's warm. He's, he's alive. It's, and they're like, it's, that's impossible. He can't be alive. You unearthed him in the museum expedition things that came in. They're like, well, he is, and they start tapping on him. And it's like, this isn't flesh, it's armor. And then the creature starts moving and grabs one of them. So they decide he might be a threat (laughs) since he's grabbing someone. And the the policeman decides that he's going to shoot at him, but of course the the bullets bounce off of the armor. And the creature says, just be gone with you. I have no patience for you. And they're all marveling because he can speak intelligently and speak English. They can understand him. And they're continuing to fire at him. And he's like, just get out of my way. I could crush you, but you mean nothing to me. Where is my master? It is he I must find. And as he's fighting his way and growing bigger as we speak, let me just say, he... uh,
0: And not in a sexy
1: way. No. And... Every time they attack him or shoot at him or anything, he just seems to grow. It stimulates his cells, and he grows and divides and and gets bigger and bigger. And he has lost complete interest in these little petty humans, and he has crashed through the wall so he can go find his master. He's walking down the street saying, where's my master? I don't know what to do. And he picks up a house. (laughs) And he throws it, and he says, I must have a purpose, I must have a goal, where is my master? I don't know what to do, why has he forsaken me?
0: So you keep walking around yelling, Marco?
1: Yeah, Marco, waiting for the polo. <laughs> and he's, he's like, destroying things, going, I don't know what to do with myself. And the and the earthlings are like, well, stop tearing up our stuff. But that's not really what they said, they're, they're screaming in, in fright. But anyway, and... Uh, He's talking, he says, none but the master can guide me, none but the master can show me the way, for he created me, and it is he that I must obey. We cut back to Asgard. Odin's out of his bath, and Thor and Sif are standing, talking about what was about to happen. Thor's telling her that he must go back to Earth, and Sif's like, but, 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 I thought you liked me now. And he's like, that, that's not what I'm talking about. I have to go back to Earth and, and protect these people. Do not think ill of me. This is what I've said I would do and and Sif's like Okay. Go on. I will not be a begging woman. That's beneath Hendel, sister. Go on. And Thor's like, Well, okay, don't 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 be mad while I leave. And Evan's like, Just go. It's time for you to go. I bid thee farewell. And he shoots Thor back to Earth in his Odin way that he does. And Thor decides, well, I have to go back to being Don Blake so I can see what's going on. It's going to be strange without Jane there because, of course, a couple of issues ago, Odin kind of took the thought of Thor out of Jane's head and sent her back. And she's working in a hospital. And somehow Thor thinks that he somehow also affected his mind. Because he doesn't understand why he is attracted to Lady Sif All of a sudden when before he was so in love with Jane Foster
0: The um, uh, summary of that story about he and Jane would be in episode 26 Yes Of the podcast where we discussed Thor issue 136 Yes or those of you
1: if you want to go back, if you haven't track. been keeping up and you want to go back and listen, this is your first one. You can go back and see it, what happened there.
0: Everyone is someone's first
1: one. Yes, it is. So Thor is flying into his old office and talking about his change of heart to, to, to Lady Sif. But he's like, you know, there must be an end to this futile soul searching. The time has now come for the God of Thunder to return to Earth to, and return to human form, where he can see about the next deadly challenge to the planet Earth. And he's looking in the mirror, and, and he realizes that there are many similarities between him and Thor, that uh, he's a dedicated man of peace, and Thor, as, as much as he has dedicated his life to fighting evil, that he is also searching for peace and, and wants to help the mankind, and so does Thor, He's thinking perhaps that's the reason the whatever chose Don Blake to turn into Thor, I guess the gods or fate or destiny, whatever it was. And he's he's looking around his office, he's quite surprised, everything seems to be in order. The janitor sees him there and it's like, Well, I don't remember you coming in and he puts him off saying, I've been here for a very long time. <laughs> I was you know, here going before over, you came. I came I was here before you and I'm just I've been, you know, looking at my files and stuff. And the man asks when Nurse Foster is coming back, and he says, Oh, I'm not sure that, that she is, but excuse me, I still have work to do. And while that is happening, we go back to the huge, gigantic rowing man and the cops who are following him trying to figure out what in the world they're going to do. He has torn up. It looks like a whole forest mm-hmm. has been
0: just walking just through the trees.
1: Walking through. He's just torn them up. There's not a tree left standing. And they find him. They've gone through the trees, and they finally catch up with him. And he is bigger than a tree, like twice as big as a tree. And he pulls one up, and he says, back, back, all of you. I haven't found my master yet. And the police are like, he's getting bigger every minute. He's now the size of a small mountain. And then suddenly, from behind a boulder, a strange weapon is shot. and it hits the uh, growing man, the beam hits the growing man, and he immediately starts to shrink. And now he is the doll-sized figure that they had before. And the figure of Kang the Conqueror comes out. He is from the distant future and has often tried to add the 20th century earth to his conquests. As we have seen in various other Marvel mags, so perhaps not Thor, not but other Marvel stories have brought have introduced Kang the
0: Conqueror to us. But yet they're talking about the return of, and it's like, well,
1: I guess the return of him to Marvel land, but unless you read
0: other books, books, it's not a yeah. return. Of, so yeah. okay,
1: okay. And he goes over and he picks up the little doll-sized growing man and says, "You were buried, and you were not supposed to be unearthed yet. What happened?" But fortunately, I can shrink you back down to size and I can hide you again until I'm ready for you to come out and you destroy all my enemies and do what I tell you to do. And the police are like, hey, that's not the giant growing man anymore. That's another guy. Well, let's just get him. Come on. Let's make him talk. And Kang's like, you better keep your distance for I am the conqueror, Kang. And the police are like, we don't care who you are, son of Kong. We got some nice cell clowns clothes for you and meanwhile dr blake is in the car i'm not quite sure why he's in the car with all the policemen
0: um it does say i think why did you ask me to come along on this joy ride with you uh-huh. so i think they're taking him to where
1: because the- they
0: so where the groom man, man is. is,
1: because they know that Dr. Blake has contacted Thor before, but it was like, all of a sudden, he's in the police car.
0: Yeah, well, you
1: know. You know. And there, he's like, so you think you need Thor, and you think I can get in hold of him for you? He's like, well, we hope so, because we don't know. There's some joker here that calls himself Kang, and Thor immediately knows who that is. And so after the they get out of the car, he lets the policeman go ahead, blaming it on his lame leg that he's a little slower, and he taps his cane and turns into the Mighty Thor. And he comes up upon the police just as they are being attacked by the growing man who has been allowed to grow again by Kang because the police were trying to take Kang into custody. So he, he has started growing again
0: and he's to protect
1: not, his master.
0: He's not growing in a sexy way.
1: No. No, he's not. So the police are all trying to attack Attacked. Attack. Attacked. attacked. Yes. Attack the Growing Man while he's still small enough for them to attack because they already know that he can grow to the size of a mountain. So they're trying to get him now while he's little. And Thor's like, Well, this, no, let me get him. This, this is not a creature from Earth. Let me try to take care of him. And he goes to start battling Growing Man. He's like, What is this? Every time I hit you, you have additional strength and you get bigger. And Growing Man is like, yeah, I'm going to squash you like a bug. And Thor's like, yeah, you and what army? This is our normal trash talk whenever Thor fights somebody. So the Growing Man picks up a big rock and starts to throw it. And Thor raises his hammer and it breaks the rock. And he, he throws the uh, hammer at the Growing Man. And it made him double in size. And Thor's like, there's no way to beat him. And the growing man said, your hammer blow was too powerful. It would make me blow too large that the earth cannot hold me. Only the master can save me now. See, that's the problem with the growing man. Every time Thor attacks him, he gets bigger, and it's going to get to the point where he won't be able to be contained. And he knows that. So he's wanting the master to come save him because he knows he can get too big. And Thor is kind of studying him now that he's so big and he's kind of not scared, but wanting to not fight he's wanting to 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 the master to come and help him he's not really attacking thor back right now because he's a little disconcerted and thor's looking at him you know trying to trying to figure out okay he's an artificial creature whose cells are stimulated by the new blows and he could destroy the entire earth if he wanted to and then kang comes up behind thor and attacks him and says, I have found you, thunder god. Even your immortal power cannot save you from the cobalt energy which is contained within my protective glove. And him and Thor fight and talk at the same time. And he tells Thor that he, wants, he, he made the growing man so that he could conquer, in the far distant future, his enemies. Because he's the greatest weapon of all and he will serve him at that time. But he really didn't want him to be here now, so he 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 shoots the um, the ray again at the growing man and makes him shrink back down again, and picks him up, and is trying to get off somewhere to where he can hide him. And Thor's like, "Well, I humored you to learn of your intentions, but I'm gonna have to stop you." And Kang is like, well, no, you can't stop me. My time machine was camouflaged. It's right here. I'm safe. There's a cosmic force around me that nothing can penetrate. I've beaten you, Thor. I'm going to get away. And Thor's like, no, you're not. And he throws the mallet in a spinning motion, and it causes a universal infinity vortex around the time machine. And the time machine kind of disintegrates, blows up, Mm -hmm. implodes. I guess you could say. And Thor's like, "Mm, I've done it again. Now it's time for Thor to figure out what's going to happen next.
0: And so ends...
1: The Growing Man.
0: And Kang. And
1: Kang. Now, I'm sure Kang's going to show up later that this really didn't destroy him.
0: No. Kang is a big... uh, I know him primarily from Avengers. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not sure if that's his, like, main book, you know, where he's... Ben, but I I know him mainly from the Avengers. He is quite the uh, nasty character.
1: Yeah. Okay, we'll go straight into 141. It's not a story arc. It's a brand new story. Right. This one came out in June. And it begs the question, who is Replicas? And on the cover you have Thor throwing his mighty hammer. And you see different little pictures of this green man looking humanoid looking creature that is fighting him and the book is called the wrath of replicas featuring the murderous menace of mob leader slugger sykes and slugger is is on this first page him and him and thor are fighting he's actually looks like he's defeating thor in some manner and he th- and Slugger is saying, "I've been waiting a lifetime to do this." And there's this evil little man back here at this wonderfully drawn computer bank and machines. Looks like a like an old timey computer bank with the big wheels that turn.
0: Yeah, the big room size used yeah. to fill a whole room.
1: Yeah. Shall we play a game? Yes. And he the, the the man at the computer is saying, "More, and more! Don't stop now, Sykes! Don't stop now!" And this is by Stanley and Jack Kirby, inked by Vince Coletta, and lettered by Art Simic. And the, little, the man who's in charge is saying, he cannot resist, he's helpless, I've promised you. Hit him again, hit him again. And the man is just beating the crap out of Thor and in, in talking trash to him about how nobody gets the best of Slugger's likes. Chuda is the name of the man in charge, we find out right now, because Slugger says, hey Chuda, you're a genius, I never thought I'd be able to beat up Thor, and Chuda's like, "I told you this is just the beginning." Aided by my scientific secrets, you can become supreme.
0: Chuda is a evil scientisty-looking kind of guy. Yes, too. he
1: is, with the bald head, the big forehead.
0: He's got glasses. He's got a little pencil mustache. Mm-hmm. He's dressed in a jumper.
1: He just looks pure evil. Yeah. So Slugger, one last blow to Thor, and said, "I did it. He's done for." And Chuda's like, stop. This is where we find out that this was merely a mobile robot unit. Yes. That Chuda has invented for Slugger to practice on.
0: Wasn't actually Thor.
1: Wasn't actually Thor. Down. Everything's okay. And Slugger's like, can you fix him up again? I want to do it again. I want to do it again. And Chuda's like, of course I can. Chuda can do anything. He's talking in the third person. Uh,
0: yeah.
1: Okay. So...
0: I guess that means he's really evil.
1: I guess so. <laughs> so Slugger's having him an after-fight cigarette or cigar, <laughs> yeah. and Chuda is trying to fix the robot Thor, and uh, he he goes over and works on him a little bit, and he says, "Now rise and and, and go on." And Slugger's like, "Oh, that was that was easy." And, and Chuda's like, "Well, no, my friend, he is far far more than a robot. He is an actual replica." All my creations are actual replicas. And he sends Thor back into the storage chamber with all the other replicas. Yeah. And Slugger's like, what do you mean?
0: Puts him back in the closet.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and is like, my supreme creation, the most powerful replica of all. The one I promised would be your greatest weapon, which will give you mastery of all the underworld. In fact, mastery over all mankind. He is kept in a special place. And this is where we find out that chuda is trying to sell his robotic army to slugger in order for slugger to use them to to take over the underworld uh, the the mob and and take over all that all those operations so that he can be in charge and Chuda's getting ready to show him his his brand new most powerful specially constructed cybernetic Opens it up, and there's Replicas, this huge green monster-looking humanoid robot.
0: And unfortunately, he doesn't look like a Roman or a gladiator or anything like that. No. The name Replicas.
1: We'll, yeah, you would think he would.
0: Yeah, that kind of brought to mind, it's like, oh, cool, it's going to be like a, a simulated gladiator, mm-hmm. Replicas. No, no, it's just, no. He, he looks more like a just a robot-y kind of looking dude. Mm-hmm.
1: He is Replica Model X3, who answers to the name of Replicus, and he has been given limited power for the purpose of demonstration. And if Chuda, my master, will equip me for permanent operation, if all goes well. And Slugger's talking about, well, he looks like he could take a dozen Thors. Let's, what are we waiting for? So now we switch back to an old tenement building where Dr. Blake has gone to see one of the uh, ladies there, one of the old elderly ladies there named Mrs. Garden, and they call her Granny Gardenia because she runs a little flower shop.
0: He's, he's making a house
1: call. He's making a house call. Yeah. Yes, he is. So he goes in to, uh, to see Mrs. Gardenia, Granny Gardenia, and she's having her something a little bit to eat, and she's asking him if he, he needs something to eat. And She's like, no, I don't need anything. And she and she's like, well, talking about her boy. And he's like, oh, you have a son here in the city. And she's like, well, no, not really. He's but he's somebody special to me. And two men come to the door. Looking, they're rather tough-looking men, hoods.
2: <laughs> yes, you know, hoods. The, with
1: the with the thumb against the nose, pushed sideways, hoods, as they say. And uh, they see Doc there, and they're like, oh, that's a sawbones. Okay, she she can he can stay, he can stay if if he's helping sawbones. her. And they tell her that Slugger, you know, was wanting them to check on her because he doesn't want to miss his fresh gardenias every day. He's gotten into that habit. It's a good luck charm for him. And she tells the boy, she said, I got him right over there. Just go ahead and ta- take him. Um, uh, everything will be all right. I got the doctor here. He'll, he'll help me out. And, the doc- and Dr. Blake is like, Slugger Sykes, I've heard that name before. Isn't he an underworld boss? And they're like, you know, you just better be quiet. It's none of your business. Just remember what you're here for and take care of Granny Gardenia. Because Slugger will be mad if she anything happens to her. And the old lady's like, don't forget to leave me my money. I'm not too sick to remember that. Be buckaroos. And then she sends them off. She says, I got the doctor here. I don't need you. So they leave. And the doctor's talking to her. Dr. Blake's talking to her. You know, you better be careful about Slugger Sykes. And she's like, oh, no, he's he's a regular customer of mine, and everything's okay. Look, he got me that color TV over there, and he's a good boy. And she's like, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Why does she like her TV?
1: Because so she can watch the wrestling matches.
0: Yeah, it's right. That's
1: right. <laughs> so they turn, he, she asked him to turn the TV on, so he does. And there is a news clip of replicas on, on the news. And she's like, well, that's for this is and Doctor Blake's like, is this a monster show? I, I've never seen this one before. And she's like, he's like, no, this is the news. So he decides he better leave and see what's going on. So, as he's doing that, Replicas has gone into the uh, Slugger Sykes office where him and his thugs are, and Chuda, Professor Chuda, Doctor Chuda inventor Chuda, whatever yeah, I, you want to call him
0: i, I, don't, has, I don't think is it ever says yeah,
1: yeah no, it doesn't say and they're they're saying wow he's he's back and and has it was he brought us anything and he opens up his, his chest
2: his chest and
1: all this money <laughs> pours out and it's like holy cow yeah this is pretty good yeah you know and the guys are like yeah the granny gardenia is still bringing you good luck boss And he's like, yeah, that's for sure, but your luck isn't any good. And I mean, what do you mean? And he's like, well, now that I got this dude, I don't need you all. What do I need muscle for? I got this guy right here who can bring me hundreds of thousands of dollars anytime I want it. So he tells Replicas to get rid of him. So Replicas throws out the two mobsters that were working with Slugger. And then all throughout the city, of course, because Slugger is using Replicas, there's museums being broken into, and bank vaults being broken into, and and this metal monster can't be stopped by anybody. And Dr. Blake is reading the, the paper. I don't know what's taking him so long to do something about this, because it had to have taken a while for there to be three headlines about the different things that Replicas is doing.
0: Well, but he can't necessarily run out and take care of everything. I mean, honestly, he needs to let... The, the puny humans try to take care of some of but the But not with
1: something stuff. like this but anyway. But he's reading the paper. He says if somebody doesn't stop him will make a shambles of the city it seems it's time for Dr. Blake to abandon his medicine, medical career and become Thor once again. So he does. Taps the cane, becomes Thor and says he's going to let his fabled Uru Mallet lead him to the one he seeks. Wherever there's danger, the hammer of Thor knows where to go. That's pretty cool. The leather thong begins to tingle, so he knows that the enemy is right there close. Ah, He's the, had tingling before.
0: The hammer has a spidey sense.
1: Yes, it does. Oh. And sure enough, right below him is Replicus seizing a portion of the solid brick ledge of some building. Not quite what, sure, for. So Thor and Replicus start fighting. And it, it's our normal fight where Thor throws his hammer and, and, and tries to, to defeat the, the enemy. But Replicus is much too fast and he kind of dodges the hammer bouncing off against the walls of the, the buildings and stuff. And the hammer goes back to Thor. He's like, hmm, I think I've met my match. What in the world am I going to do? And Replicus says, I'm not flesh and blood. I can beat you up. And Thor's like, I don't think so trash talk once again and replica says though i am fashioned in human form my power cannot even be expressed in human terms and thor's like his words are true he holds me without effort but i am the son of odin and i will not give up so they continue fighting replica's telling him he can't be wearied he can't be injured he can he will triumph because there's nothing that thor can do and some ray shoots out of his helmet that's pretty neat, mm-hmm. right at Thor. But Thor holds up the hammer and says, no force can overcome the power of my hammer. And so Replicus is like, well, then fine. I'll strip you of your hammer. And Thor's like, well, you can't do that. Well, Replicus's fingers turn into long, thin cords that kind of tie up Thor. He's got his arms bound up. He's got one wrapped around his waist, a couple wrapped around his legs. And he's, he's tightening them up and, and with the grip of Hercules. And Thor's like, I shall prevail. And Replicas is like, what? You can't do anything about this. My force is too great. I just, I'll just increase my power. No matter what, I will win. So while they're doing all this fighting, the police have gotten involved. And there's camera crews there. And they're trying to figure out what in the world they can do to help Thor. And they get the recoilless rifles loaded with shock missiles. So they can shoot at the bad guy, and these these policemen are in full body armor, getting ready to shoot these weapons. And meanwhile, we go back to I don't know if it's Slugger's place or the or the I would or Shooters say place.
0: Shooters, because it's Probably got all this so. equipment and the, the and the and he's
1: got this big screen TV. The screen, yeah. now I'm sure that has something has some kind of sensor camera thing on. Even though I don't see how it could be, because we see him in the nah, picture.
0: It's just some.
1: Anyway, he's watching Thor yeah. and Replicas fight.
0: Maybe he's tapped into the um,
1: Street camera
0: transmission. Yeah, could be we from had the police the big camera here.
1: Maybe yeah, that's what yeah, he's got. Could be, could be, could be. And they're wa- they're talking about Thor and Replicas fighting, and and Slugger saying, but no no human could ever lift Thor's hammer. But look, Replicas has the edge over any human. Just look at him. And he says, "I've seen enough. I, I gotta have him. I gotta buy him. How much you want?" And is like, "My price will be reasonable if you will help me sell similar models to other people." And Slugger's like, "Well, I don't want other people to have them because that puts me back on an even playing field, not quite that intelligently, but that's his idea. You know, why yeah, would I very, want my yeah. my uh, other everybody people, to everybody, have to have one. one because then we'll be back even again? We'll just, you know, we'll all have a big strong dude." And Judah's like, well, your money alone doesn't interest me. I have other things that I want to achieve. I want to um, overcome the whole land by chaos and fear. And you're just a pawn. And Slugger's like, you know, I may be a bad guy, but I'm not that low down and rotten. I'm not a spy. I'm not going to do something like that, let you take over the whole earth, whole world, just because you got some grandiose plans you know, I'm a, I'm a patriot. I'm a good citizen, even if I am a felon. So he grabs Chuda and, and is and is starting to, to shake him and stuff and Chuda's like, Do you think any any power here on earth could have created the majesty of replicas? There are those who sent me here are far greater and wiser and more superior to any mere earthlings. Ah Chuda's an alien.
0: That's why it's not a doctor, professor. Yeah, because he's an alien. Judah.
1: And he's reaching down while he's saying all this stuff, and Slugger's like, Hey, you're getting a gun, aren't you? And Judah's like, um, yeah. And hits Slugger with a stun gun and reduces him to abject helplessness, the same condition to which her entire planet will be shortly reduced. I haven't talked a whole lot about the art around, I'm sorry. I've just been kind of reading the story. It's a very interesting story. This is a half page of Slugger flying backwards all in a red beam from this um, stun gun, supersonic stun gun. Now, Chuta's saying, I have to contact my superiors and, and see what they want me to do. And Slugger's laying there going, maybe not, you creep, because I'm going to do something about it. And he manages to move enough and... and and knock into Chuda, and, and Chuda's like, oh, no, you're you're pushing me towards the power pile. It's still activated. And so they both fall into the ray. He says, don't you understand? If we set it off, everything is lost. It'll mean the death of both of us. And Slugger's like, I don't care. I'm going to make up for everything I did wrong in my life by taking care of you. Yep. And there's a huge explosion.
0: Yeah, it takes out probably most of whatever building, whatever they're, in, building the they're looks in. of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And at that very instant, Replicas slumps to the ground. Apparently, his power pack was somehow connected to Chuda's
0: area. Yeah, I guess area. the power pile that he was talking yeah. about must have been what was given...
1: Powering the... Replicas.
0: Replicas, Because yeah. he
1: suddenly just drops to the ground like a like a plug has been pulled, the policeman says. Yes. And Thor's like, yes. The charade is now ended. Ended. Who who once was replicus, shall never menace mankind again. So the police decide to take him to the lab so they can figure out what made him tick. And Thor's like, I suspect you'll find a greater mystery than man can unravel. So some later, Dr. Blake, Thor's turned back into Dr. Blake, and he's doing his house call again, and he's going to see Mrs. Garden, Granny Gardenia. And she's all sad because she's heard that Slugger Sykes has died. And Thor's like, but they said when they found him, he had a smile on his face. And Granny's and like, well, I hope he was feeling all right. I got a feeling in my heart that you're right, that he was happy when he died. And the doctor's like, he was more than just a customer to you, wasn't he? And He, he talks about how a good man, he was proven to be a good man in the end. And that's the end of that issue. something. You think he really was her son? Yeah. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, I think that that was her son. And she was, you know, she's one of these mothers that uh, sees what he's doing but knows that, you know, no, there's a good kid down under there because she but raised him. But she doesn't want
1: anybody there. to know that that's what, that was her son?
0: No. Okay. Because he still has done the things that he's done. Okay. So she's not, like, proud of him, everybody. This is my boy. But more like a oh he's not that bad. he's just misunderstood okay. you know you all just just watch he, he, he'll he'll write things mm-hmm. you know you you've seen that kind of
2: mm-hmm.
0: relationship on movies and t v before with the mother like that uh two good one off stories I think um, adding you know some some rogues to uh thor's rogues gallery if they want to use them again. Uh, Kang is still around today. Uh, The growing man, I don't know personally that I've seen him in a while, but I'm sure that he's still in Kang's arsenal Mm -hmm. because he's kind of a cool idea. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Chuda and Replicas, I've never seen them again. I haven't. But the idea of Replicas has come up multiple times before just in different forms. So the... Concept they continue to use, but I don't think they did it in replicas. I, mm. I don't think that's the, the method that they used to relate. Um, lots of good Jack Kirby stuff. Yeah, I didn't lots
1: talk of... about the art a whole lot. I'm, I kind of got involved in the stories in both books, but the art was was. Jack King Kirby.
0: Yeah, and and it wasn't it wasn't as extravagant as some of the other stuff has been because most of the stuff in both of these issues took place on Earth. Yeah. So it was humans. It was buildings. It was now the first
1: know, one. The the scenes of Asgard
0: were yes, magnificent. Yeah.
1: I we didn't really because it wasn't alien ships. We didn't get to see the the full pages of all the intricate intricacies of the uh, of the ships that we had seen in some of the previous ones but it was still good Kirby art
0: oh yeah yeah he's uh, this is some of the stuff that even now he's known for so mm-hmm. it you know it there there are parts of it that just really don't stand up over time but there are parts of it that have stood up quite well and and, and will stand up forever mm-hmm. some things that he's done so all right, so the third issue, um, give you guys uh, a little heads up. Uh, we are a spoiler podcast.
1: <laughs> we don't say that all the time before the <laughs> case, first two,
0: because you if you're spoiled that.
1: from 1966, then, but you know, we're so, sorry.
0: So there we go. But uh, we're about to t- talk about the uh, most recent volume of Journey into Mystery, which this book is just a couple weeks old. So uh, 626, so you guys know in case maybe you haven't gotten your order yet or whatever. Uh, On the front cover of this one, we see Loki standing holding his sword with the big right-handed L on his forehead. For loser! And he is standing on the fiery head of Surtur, and the image is looking between his horns. From in front of Surtur, between his horns, and there on Surtur's head is our young Loki standing. So... Uh, giving us a little preview that Loki is going to be jerking around Surtur this issue, just like he's been jerking around somebody every issue for Mm -hmm. the past three or four. The story uh, opens with a quick rehashing of... eh, Basically, this whole story arc, told in three or four frames by... Um Leah Hella's uh, Right hand. Yeah, her disciple, I guess it was, with um Leah spelled as a
1: what's it called? Anagram
0: mm-hmm. of Hella. So or Lee Lee or Leah, um L E H however you choose to pronounce that, I'm not sure. I've never heard anybody say it for this particular girl, so I don't know how you say it. The issue is written by uh, Kieran Gillen, penciled by Doug Braithwaite, colored by both Andy Troy and Ulysses Sariola with letters by Clayton Cowles. All right, the actual story opens with an image of Balder leading a troop of fellow As Guardians. Uh, against some probable demons, they look like. Uh, yeah, it even it even calls them demons. Uh, into Leading the Asgardians into a battle against some demons out on some uh, rocky plain somewhere. Then it quickly cuts to an image of Loki and his Hellwolf flying through the air and then crashing to ground. Uh, looks like it could be similar ground as to what Balder and his troop of guys was playing with. Kind of hard to tell because right now there's not a whole lot of
1: anything. larger
0: shots or anything mm-hmm. to see. It's all it's all really close-up work. But it's limbo. But we see Loki and the Hellwolf and uh, what's his little... I call. I call an anagram of Loki.
1: Mm-hmm. I think this, this this scene is funny, because they've landed in limbo. Right. And, and and he gets up off the hell wolf, you know, and they're they're shaking themselves off because they've just like flown in and crashed into limbo, and uh, he's like, hell Wolf's like, oh, Loki. I was only under your rule, for my life. And now I'm dead.
0: Because he's in limbo.
1: Because he, Well, the, the Seer killed him so he could go to limbo. Right. So he so, could take Loki. So, he's so now not, he's realized that he's dead.
0: He's not bound to Loki anymore. He's
1: not bound to Loki right. anymore.
0: <laughs> and he's rather pissed. Yes, he First is. First of all, he's pissed because Loki captured him way back to begin with. Mm-hmm. But then he's pissed because every issue, Loki has made him do something he didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. Including going to limbo.
1: Including getting killed by the De Seer.
0: So... <laughs> Yeah, so the, so the hell, hell Wolf has got quite a bit of um, um, mad <laughs> built up there after Loki. So Big mad. <laughs> as soon as he gains his senses, he takes off after Loki, and, and Loki runs for his life, climbs down a uh, Loki, uh, jumps into a little hole and, and climbs down the hole. And then his Hell Wolf is, is fidgeting, kind of uh, breathing fire down there to flush him out, trying to dig him out and everything like that, Surtur, um, I guess he doesn't really sneak up on him.
1: He rises, but up. <laughs> he
0: just comes up on him from behind and grabs up the Hellwolf. Um, Hellwolf tries to put up a fight, but against uh, against Surtur, who is the king of the demons, the the lord of the demons of Asgard, uh, it doesn't really do much good, and. Uh, looks like he kind of eats him.
1: Uh-huh, he does. He um, pops him in there like a little old snack.
0: Yeah, so,
1: um... Bye!
0: Then we have, uh, Loki peering out and, and getting Surtur's attention and recognizing him. Surtur immediately attacks Loki now because of, uh, you know, past things that Loki's done to Surtur, but also the fact that he's here and he's able to attack Loki, uh, just... I guess you could say just out of general principle. He just starts attacking him. Loki finally gets him to settle down and, and calm down to hear him out. And basically he tells him that if he will uh, listen to and help Loki, that Loki can get him out of his current predicament, which is being trapped in limbo. So at first, Searcher's like, you know, no, I know all about you. You're going to trick me somehow. You're going to lie. You're not going to live up to it. I'm not going to get out of here anyways. Besides which, I just feel like I need to kill you, so I'll commence with trying to kill you again. So, Surtur kicks back up his attack, running Loki around. Now, keep in mind, Loki is a a smaller child uh, in body, so he is Asgardian, but he doesn't have the big buff Asgardian body, so he's... Not going to be able to take a whole lot of anything, punishment, mm-hmm. uh, exertion, you know, whatever, whatever. He may have the the know-how to do stuff physically, but he just doesn't have the body right now to do stuff. So pretty quickly, Surtur overcomes him, I guess you could say. Uh, in, in a quieter moment, they they start talking again.
1: Loki uses his only weapon that he really has, his mouth.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, His his brain... And, and and this is what he came to do. Mm-hmm. So I mean he was you know, he was ready for it to begin with. So he you know, he's Loki is taking the opportunity to talk to Surter again since he has kind of slacked off attacking him because it looks like Loki's down. Surter really doesn't have to do anything to dispatch him, so he just kind of you know, slows up and is gonna take his time, maybe maybe relish killing of the, the trickster god mm-hmm. something like that. So they're talking, and as they're talking, Surtur asks, you know, now, what was that offer that you made? You can get me out of here. And Loki says, yeah, that will allow you, once you get out, to do do the thing that you are, are destined to do, and that is to cause Ragnarok, which is the ultimate battle of Asgardian forces of good and evil, which has already occurred. Mm-hmm. That's why Surtur is in limbo right now to begin with, but I, I guess it—it's it, the driving thing for Surtur is to
1: destroy Asgard,
0: and and so if he's done it once and he can, do, you know, it, it's just what he is created to do. So it's all he thinks about doing, some way, shape, or form is destroying Asgard. And uh, Loki says, "Yes, you know that's." Uh, You'll you'll be free of limbo. You'll be able to do that. And as a matter of fact, when I get you out of here, I'll even put you in Asgard to begin with. I assume this is the land of Asgard, not necessarily the castle Asgard. Mm -hmm. Thinking Mm -hmm. back to the Norse mythology being of nine realms, I believe Surtur's realm, off the top of my head, I keep thinking, is Muspelheim which is one of the, like, lower hell realms. You know, we, we think heaven and hell, hell below. Uh, Asgard, the heavenly realm above Earth. So, you know, so what I'll do is you won't have to figure out a way or fight your way or whatever. I'll just put you right there basically in your enemy's lands, and you can just start your fighting right there and not have to fight. And this this kind of piques Searcher's interest. And this, this is, the, to me, this is where things get kind of, kind of kooky. Loki starts explaining to Surtur what he wants. The sword that Surtur fights with, uh, just like, I don't know, Thor's hammer or Odin's spear. Odin's also got a sword. You know, there's these um, iconic weapons that characters have. Surtur has a big sword. The sword is called Twilight. Loki starts telling him that... Basically, Loki wants Twilight's shadow. He wants the shadow of the sword, not the sword, not a piece of the sword, not you know. He just wants the shadow for the sword. And in turn for that, he's telling Surtur, "I'll let you go, or, or I'll get you out of limbo and put you right there in, in the middle of Asgard. You'll be right there. It'll be it'll be right for the picking." They continue talking. Uh, no, nothing really. Major Surtur is, is you know, he he still doesn't trust Loki. He asks Loki to swear that, you know, that what Loki is saying is true. That's what that he will do what he says he will do, uh, even to the extent that he asks to, or tells Loki to swear um, on, on on his very existence that you know you're even willing to give up your own life if if what you're saying is not true, and Loki does swear. Uh, he swears okay now he 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 brings his father's name into it Laufey, which i don't know if that's original but i know laofi was mentioned in the movie
2: mm-hmm.
0: he was the big uh ice ice giant mm-hmm. uh, in in the, in the citadel there so Loki manages to convince Surtur that, you know, he's on the up and up and, and all he wants is the shadow and of the sword. And for the shadow of the sword, he'll get Surtur out of limbo and get him to Asgard. So Loki takes the shadow and then...
1: Tries to remember how Odin got out of limbo.
0: <laughs> yeah, he, he, he runs and, or he you know, he's like, okay, now I got what I want now. Now how do I get out of here? And on top of that, Surtur goes ahead and, and helps him a little bit by saying, now... Go ahead and get out of here before I change my mind. Mm -hmm. So Loki leaves, you know, tries to leave, goes on his way. Uh, We cut to Asgard, the castle Asgard. And we see a dwarf has finished repairing the casket that the ruler of Asgard uses to replenish his energies. It's been named the Odin Sleep course because odin is the is the king of asgard that we'll f- we're familiar with in the marvel universe but anyone that possesses the power that odin has also has this chamber also may require the sleep so it's called the Odin's sleep but thor did it mm-hmm. Baldur did it mm-hmm. uh and now it would be odin again because odin is back and he's in control so the the big casket that he sleeps in, and it was broken.
1: By Thor, when he got him out.
0: Yeah, when, when he first called Odin back from Limbo mm-hmm. to help him, he broke the um, casket that Odin was in. Mm-hmm. So Dwarf just finished fixing it, and, and as as he's leaving, uh, having admired his work, he, he, he hears a sound in the casket knowing that, well, there's not possibly anything in there. I just got done fixing this thing. He opens it up. And Loki crawls out of it,
1: mm-hmm. so Loki and I call.
0: apparently Loki followed odin he he got out the exact same way Odin did, mm-hmm. how however that would be, so he runs off his um future former self along with him in in the in the person of call there the the bird the raven, and they're talking about what Loki just did.
1: well we don't know who they're talking to.
0: I think they're just talking to themselves first, but then some minutes and half a convers- half conversation and explanation later.
1: We don't know who he's talking yeah, to. Yeah, he's here.
0: talking to someone here asking for their assistance. Doesn't really say who it is. Who it is, doesn't really say what he's offering or anything. He's just straight out asking for help. And whatever this is says yes, but it says yes in a in a dark image, so we can't we can't see who it is. And so then Loki says, you know, okay, well, good. Uh, thank you for helping, and, and we need to, we need to go ahead and get going. So we cut to uh, another area of the castle Asgard where Odin and Heimdall are. And they they hear a, a noise and determine that the armory of Asgard has been attacked.
1: But from within.
0: Yeah, something something in the armory has. Um, like exploded out or someone who was already in the armory has tried to get out something like that. The damage is from from within. And we don't really know what they took. No. Odin, All we know
1: is Odin is like, whoever took that is going to pay. Yeah, he,
0: he swears that he will find whoever took whatever it is. And he recognized that whatever it is is gone immediately. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't say what it is. No. Heimdall doesn't say. We didn't see just something that Odin recognizes immediately is gone, is now missing, and
1: he's mad because it's gone.
0: Yes, so of course you want to say, well, Loki got in and got something else, but because we haven't seen anything, it might not be Loki. Might not. This might be the the starting of something that occurs that Loki is trying to prevent. Mm-hmm. So, and in the final uh, set of scenes for the book, we cut back to Earth. Where Tyr has stayed with several of the Deseer. They're um, discussing the death of the Hell Wolf, the body of the Hell Wolf having been uh, set on fire.
1: And apparently, sticking to high heaven. And
0: smelling muchly because of what he is. Uh, So the thing that went to limbo was not actually the body body of Hell wolf it was the spirit although it was the body of Loki
1: mm-hmm.
0: because he came back through the casket as it so they're burning an effigy there's the word I was looking for the uh, the body of Hellwolf complaining about how it smells Leah Lee whichever uh, is sitting considering all the things that that is happening that she knows of and uh, reflects on the fact that, that hell is is breaking loose because theres there's a revolution uh, on, on the way in the process. and she fears for her mistress Hella. She, she feels she realizes because of her connection that uh, Hella has now been captured and beseeches tear to go to hell and rescue Hella from whoever whatever has her um, that I figure is in association with the serpent who is being that story is in the fear itself mini from Marvel mm-hmm. the specifics of that we do see a reference to uh, another book here that has some more information about that particular aspect of the story. Apparently, Hela has called for uh, the Valkyrie to assist her in her um, capturedness. As part of being captured, she's requested help of her Valkyrie. The Desir kind of give Tira a hard time about not wanting to go to hell. He, he doesn't want to go even though he is um Betrothed, I guess, to Hela, he's mm-hmm. kind of her, her paramour. Uh, they're not necessarily married or anything.
1: And he wants to go help his mistress. He says, "I, I, I want to go help her," but he's been told he has to stay. Has there. to stay
0: on Earth, no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. No matter, no matter. What and he's mad at because made.
1: he's made that uh, right. promise.
0: The the seer uh, are giving him a hard time, and he's explaining all this, and then suddenly a um, large fortress appears over them and uh, they were in Newark mm-hmm. New Jersey mm-hmm. outside of New York so this huge citadel pops up there and then we see Loki enters the scene here on the last page riding on the shoulder of the destroyer armor which apparently means or Not apparently, but I guess that means that's who he was talking to in the dark was the Destroyer armor. Wasn't aware that the Destroyer armor was sentient on its own. Uh, I thought it had to be possessed by someone or something. So he has gotten the aid of the Destroyer armor to go take down whatever citadel this thing happens to be that just, just appeared. And that is the last page of this issue of Journey into Mystery.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I do like the story. I do like the art. Writing the writing and art uh, much more so than previous folks that have handled the, <laughs> the character. Um, I like the Thor book more right now, I think, than the Journey into Mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm starting to tire of all the machinations of Loki with no, uh, shall we say, denouement. You know, he just seems to fiddle and fiddle and fiddle each issue. With, I, I think my my problem is the story is stretching a little bit for me. I want it to get to the point. Yeah, you know, I, get
1: to the point.
0: I, I understand that, you know, he's on a quest. He he needs all these separate things to accomplish his goal. But, you know, I almost wish that he could have gotten like. Two or three things an issue, and we could be there already. <laughs> but I'm sure they're also having to write this in conjunction with Fear Itself, which is a six- or seven-issue story, so they can't, you know, they, they have to pace it similarly so they, they so they don't get ahead of what's going on in that. But, all right, uh, that's it for our discussions of the issues. A uh, little bit of feedback here to talk about. Comment on the website This is from Iceberg Lounge, he starts. You read my feedback on your show. Then you asked if I would let you know what I got at Comic-Con San Diego. First, I have to apologize for not signing my real name to the last iTunes review, which was labeled Iceberg Lounge. It was my first time contacting any podcast. Well, thank you very much for making us your first. Yes. That's kind of cool. My real name is Jack. You asked what I got from Comic Convention this year from Marvel. I got Thor's Journey into Mystery Omnibus and the Marvel Godzilla series. Since this is not a Godzilla podcast, not that that wouldn't be a bad idea, but I just don't have the time right now for another podcast, but that would be a pretty cool one. I will focus on the Thor Omnibus. It was fantastic. The stories by Stan were as much fun as you made them sound on the air. The art and colors were both vivid and imaginative. Thank you for opening this world to me. Are there any other Thor trades or stories in particular you would suggest? Have you seen the old 60s Thor cartoons from Gantry Lawrence? I found them primitive, but fun. What did you think about them? Until Terry writes her first Thor movie, make mine mighty Thorcast. Well, thank you very much, Jack. Appreciate that. Yeah. Um,
1: I'm not going to be writing the movie anytime soon, so
0: yeah, well, Yay, so mighty they, Thorcast. Yeah, so you'll you'll be listening to the Thorcast for a while. Way to go. As far as any other Thor stories, um, there, there's a lot of other creative teams that are kind of hit and miss for me um, you know I'll like a particular arc or like a particular one-off but not necessarily the whole run of the Creator uh, the probably about the lone exception is the run from the mid to late 80s maybe mid to late 80s early 90s of Walter Simonson uh, Walter Simonson wrote and drew the book at the time he was doing it I believe all of his stuff has been gathered and is out in a single omnibus. Uh, It is probably after Lee Kirby, uh, the seminal run of Thor that people talk about. Walter Simonson did a lot of really groovy things. Um, He introduced the character Beta Ray Bill, which is still around. Uh, He reduced Thor to a frog, which is something he's very, very known for and even now still gets questions about that storyline um, did a lot of, with the mythology of Thor Norse mythology Asgard um, I remember from that that uh, Hela did a particular number on Thor and cursed him so a lot of, a lot of good Thor mythos stuff from there um, so if if I could make a suggestion, probably the Simonson omnibus would be would be that suggestion for Thor. All right. Well, um, Jerry, anything else that you wanna no. say about the books or to Jack or? To Thank anything? you very
1: much, Jack, for your for your um, tremendous compliment. That it, that means a lot to us. That that we have introduced someone to Thor because. Even though I'm new to the comic book world, I have grown to love Thor in all these podcasts that we've done about him and can't wait until the new one comes out so I can read it. As soon as it, it hits the, the portals of the house, I'm snatching it and, and, and reading it. So I, I understand where you're coming from, where this is something new to you and, and you're really enjoying it because I'm the same way, just a few more issues into it than you are. But thank you for that wonderful comment.
0: Alrighty. Uh, if you do want to leave us any more comments, anybody, uh, you can do so at Podcast at gmail.com. The website for the podcast is comicbooknoise.com slash thor. We do have a fan page on Facebook, The Mighty Thorcast is, is what it's listed under. And should anyone else feel inclined, we would definitely appreciate more iTunes reviews. It helps other people find the podcast and Uh, If it's a good podcast, that's always a good thing. do want to thank Jack and want to thank Mr. Derek Coward, the mind behind the technical aspects and issues of the website and posting the shows and everything like that. Thank you very much, sir. We appreciate your time and effort. And I think that's probably about all we have to say this issue episode. Excuse me. Um, Next episode, we will be talking about the 1966 volume of Mighty Thor... Issues 142 and 143, and the 2011 volume of The Mighty Thor, issue 5, I did believe we? is the next one up. I did leave. Let me take a look here at something. Yes, it'll be issue 5. And as we record this, that should be out tomorrow, I believe I have seen. So we may well be sitting down quickly and doing another show for you guys. However, thank you for listening to this one. We hope that you stick around and come back next episode, and we will talk to you guys then. Bye. This is a Teal Production.